The Echo Special bucket of beer with six straws. Beats the bucket of Corona. Someone did ask me for a straw uh, when I poured the pink mist. Uh, I did have people ask for lime for the ginger beer and ice. Yeah, as, as beer becomes less beery. There's no accounting for taste, is there? With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and proud supporters of Brews News. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and this is Good Brews Week. And joining me from Brisbane, it's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. And isn't it all happening in Brisbane, Pete? Good morning. It is all happening as we speak. It would seem that... <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we, we need that sort of... No, I can't do it, but we need that new breaking news uh, thing. Oh. <laughs> Were you just doing the circus clown music? Instead of let's move on. It would seem, Matt, that overnight news broke that what was once, I guess, a beacon of independence up there in Brisbane is now just a plastic brewery token on the monopoly board of the large corporate. You've been speaking to Muzzin Hudger. No, I haven't, but it is interesting that uh, Asahi are trying to com- complete the full set. They've got a, a Melbourne brewery, they've got a Sydney brewery, a, a New South Wales brewery, and now they've got a, uh, a Queensland brewery and a South Australian brewery. We could easily do a podcast on this, and we already have uh, with our conversation with Adrian. Um, you know, Pete, as you know, like I've heard every other week somebody telling me um you know whether it's sales reps and it's increasingly becoming people who are a little bit more engaged in the industry um shooting text going have you heard you know i spoke to a bloke who's spoke to a bloke who knows somebody and you're just not able to track it down and yesterday i got a call from muzzin hudjar going you know thinking that i knew um and trying to sort of trick me into sort of letting him know that i knew um and i I didn't but you know it's, it's one of those things that Sooner or later, um, all of these things do seem to, you know, w- where there is smoke, eventually it does erupt into a fire, and, and it did that yesterday. But having said that, you've spoken to Adrian, and talks haven't been ongoing for three years, as uh, which is about the same time the rumours started, or not long after either Mountain Goat or Four Pines dropped. I can't remember which one, but it was it was pretty much. Uh, and look, there's a the standard set of three. I think there's. The, there was Green Beacon and, and two others that are always mentioned in the, you know, as absolute rolled gold, uh, put your house on it, um, certainties. Uh, and Green Beacon, yeah, I, look, well done to the guys. It's uh, a situation that I think is not dissimilar to uh, Mountain Goat at least and probably Four Pines, I'm sure, uh, where if we're going to take the next step, we need a lot of capital. We're, we're not actually big enough to get the capital that we need. So the options are we either pretty much, you know, do what we've what we've been doing for the last five or six years um, a, again, or, you know, and I guess the, the easier and safer option is to take a lot of money from a large brewery. And the, the same arguments will come around again, Matt, that they always do. Well, if they could, rather than sell to, you know, an international conglomerate, surely they could have, so if it, if it was that uh, valuable a resource, uh, surely it would have been, a, um, I guess, a takeover option for someone outside of the beer industry with well, some money. And, and look, that's the thing. And, you know, I, I say up front that we can talk about this and they're uh, you know, almost in parallel universes. On one hand, as you said, awesome news. Like this is a huge testament 
to the to the quality of the beer that um, Johan has been knocking out, the quality of the business that Mark and uh, um, Adrian ha- have created. Um, you know, they they literally have done it themselves, um, as he said in in the chat that I had with him. Um, you know, this is them and a bank. It's not them and a couple of wealthy individuals or you know um, multiple you know, backers or things like that. Or shareholders looking for a quick return Ab- on their absolutely. investment. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, the, the great iron, and, and so, yeah, on, on the first hand, um, absolute congratulations to them. And nothing else that follows um, takes away from that because it's just disgusting. It, it does have ramifications and it does change the business. And there will be, um, you know, this is a fork in the road for Green Beacon um, that will see it change from what it is now. Um, in, in a whole lot of ways, and not necessarily bad. Um, but the, the, the great irony that I find is that the businesses are, that are the most attractive to buy for whoever are the ones that have this sort of structure. You know, if you've got, um, you know, if you're a brewery that's taken a whole lot of minor um, investments um, and then you've done a equity crowdfunding or you've, you know, um, taken a percentage of, um, you know, it, uh, private equity or, or those sorts of things. A lot of the people in the business of putting these sorts of deals together tell me that you're much less attractive as a takeover target because your ownership is so complicated. You're not, and you know, there are so many more people involved, all of whom, you know, have to be subject to NDAs. And, and that's how this story gets out. It's amazing how many people just since this broke yesterday that. I've spoken to that were under NDAs about the sale of uh, Green Beacon um, for a whole range of reasons. Um, so yeah, so look, you know, they they were a very attractive target. Um, and but sorry, I've gone down the rabbit hole here, Prof. Back to your initial question: um, someone's got to buy them. Um, who else is going to buy them? It's, it's going to be a big brewer. It, 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 it's very interesting that it post CUB, before Asahi has even begun to digest that, they've gone ahead with the sale that um, apparently started negotiations 18 months ago. They must have got a fair discount on the price then because of, of buying CUB because they obviously had some spare cash left over. They didn't <laughs> commit everything to buying the big house. There was a bit left over to buy Green Beacon as well. Yeah, well... Again, the, the the purchase of CUB was what sixteen billion Australian dollars. Um, Asahi has something like forty percent of the Japanese market, um, and now they've picked up CUB, and I guess they'll be counting on those one point five billion dollar a year revenue streams um, coming online. Uh, so that's one point five billion US, I think, uh, revenue streams coming online um, to help them. So, you know. Who knows what they sold for? But let's just pick it, figure out of the air based on some of the other purchases. You know, maybe thirty million dollars, and it, it could be significantly more or significantly less based on the size of them. Um, but that's pocket change for, for for a brewery like Asahi. It is, and I guess the biggest ramification that we really need to address is the um, what it means in terms of uh, reduced choice for drinkers in terms of independent beer, because that's another tap now. Uh, that can be that can be taken up by the one company in the one pub, on the one invoice with the one delivery, making things easy. But for the uninitiated to pop into the pub and go, wow, what a great range of of beers! There's Four Pines, there's uh, Pirate Life, there's Mountain Goat, there's uh, Green Beacon, oh, and then there's some other, you know, Asahi, 
uh, brands. Oh, there's cricketers' arms. Yeah, uh, making it just so, that much harder approach, again. Australia Dams, Stellar Artois, which they're still going to have. Um, exactly. Yeah. Plus, they're just making it so much harder for somebody to uh, who's starting up a brewery or is has worked has done the hard yards and is still in the uh, the independent category to find you know an ever decreasing number of spare taps uh, and you know. Where's the incentive yep. for, for 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 somebody to take on you know what might be a keg that's now perhaps look it could be uh, thirty forty bucks plus GST more expensive uh, to offer well sorry mate we've already got a tropical lager uh, yeah, we've, we've already got we've a, already got a, a, a nice ale. pale ale we've got a, a Pacific ale style um, it, it just doesn't make it, it does make it a lot harder and I think that's the thing that uh, I, I guess upsets. The average punter a little bit more than say the um you know the, the conscientious you know business observer. I don't yeah and yeah oh god there's there's a lot in that and, and then that's where I prefaced all of this by saying look there are parallel universes um uh, about this because yeah look I, I had the chat with Adrian yesterday and of course he said nothing will change we've got full control you know and and, and I'm sure today that's true. That is going to become less true as the, the business goes on because these businesses don't make money by having a brewery that produces 1.5 million litres, which uh, Green Beacon does at the moment, and employing 40 staff um, to, to, to make and sell and um, you know, retail that beer in, in their own bottle shop, uh, in, in their own uh, brew pub. They don't make money on that model. So... You know, over time, we are going to see see the business change. It may not lead to the, the the quality of the beer, and certainly, goat is a great example that the quality of the beer hasn't declined. But the the Potemkin Village um, that you mentioned, um, where you, you can walk in and see um, all of those brands, and let's not forget Schweppes. Um, so whenever you see Schweppes mixes, that's Asahi, um, Vodka Cruises, uh, Frantel Water, you know, Voss Water, Pepsi, Solo. Coddies, all of those things are, are, are part of the, the package these days. That is a massive advantage now to Green Beacon, and it's a massive disadvantage to every small independent brewery that can only say, um, you know, we're independent. Um, and look, this is where I'm always conflicted, Prof, because I'm really happy for those guys. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll be sleeping soundly tonight. Um probably not last night with their phones ringing, um, but soundly tonight with a whole lot of worry and stress off their back. But at the same time, it you know, these things ultimately do matter. Um, the more concentration that there is, uh, you know, the, the harder it's going to be for small independent brewers to to find those, you know, stray taps in in, yep. in in venues um, to, to grow themselves outside of a purely retail model. Um, and that is going to, you know, and, and, and big brewers were, were very slow to adopt craft beer because it existed in the margins. They, they've jumped on it now uh, because they've seen the potential. It's growing it. and it's worth something. Well, yeah, yeah but even, even then, like a one and a half million litre brewery is, you know, that, that, that's that's a spittoon um, of beer. Um, no, but it means they can do all of the the seven bells and the penny porter and the you know the the seasonals, the stuff that that they sells in dribs and drabs. Meanwhile, down at Asahi, 
uh, will brew all of the, you know, the core range, the the bread and butter stuff. Yep, and, and that's the thing. So obviously, Green Beacons reached the stage. You know, when they built their G-Bung Brewery, um, the, the figure I saw at the time is that you know, we'll be able to create one million litres. They've obviously had to expand, and Adrian touched on this, you know, going to the bank every time you need to put in new fermenters and ask for more money. Um, you know, banks, you know, aren't your rich uncle um, uh, just willing to sort of tip a little bit money in because you've got a good idea. They need to be sold, um, you know, they're, they're, and the bigger you get and the bigger their investment, they're, they're going to worry um, so I, you know, I look, I would anticipate that we're not going to see any more expansion of the G Bung Brewery. Um, beers are going to be pioneered at Tenerife, they'll probably grow out to G Bung, but then we're going to see some of the biggest uh beers, you know, being punted down to follow the you know, either Laverton or Laverton, um, yep. you know, uh, Pirate Life, um, once that comes on stream for them. Um, and then eventually down the road to Yadala, um, because there is so much excess capacity in these big brewery um, businesses that they're not going to invest, you know, even the small amounts of money to keep, you know, inverted commas, truth in that it's a, a Brisbane beer. And, and, and we've seen that over and over again with CUB when, uh, you know, Fat Yak, um, I, I remember a, a, a very famous time when I asked directly, um, after Fat Yak had gone to Yadala, whether it had gone to Yadala, and I was told very clearly, no, it hasn't, we've got no plans. Um, you know, so, so they know it's important uh, to to keep the stories in these beers. And, you know, I, I'm sure Adrian completely believes what he's saying and there's no disingenuity about it. But ultimately, you know, there is a trajectory um, that, that big businesses follow because that's how they. Become that's it. Look, at the end of the day, if the you know if the boss man says, "Mate, we've got a, a, a great deal now on a particular type of malt," well, that's not the malt we actually have. Well, it's close enough. Um, they'll be using whatever malt they get the, the big discounts on, um, and and it sort of touches on that thing that I think is tugs at the heartstrings of um, you know independent beer lovers. It's that it's the us and them. It's like you're now one of them. You're no longer one of us, despite the fact that you're still great blokes and I still love your beer and um, all that all that sort of thing. There's just there's, the divide becomes that little bit wider. And, and you can't taste independence at all. And, you know, if you go down to Green Beacon this afternoon, you know, you're not going to taste, ooh, there's that little bit of taste of, <laughs> you know, big brewery. Well, it, you might, Matt, because we, you know, we do drink with our souls. We drink with our hearts <laughs> we as do. well as with our eyes and our and we our have palate. a perception of flavour, yes. Yeah, that's right. And, and look, the, the golden rule is that no brewery's beer ever um, becomes poorer in quality for being bought by, by the bigger breweries. Uh, there can be a perception that, yeah, things are dumbed down. Oh, there's not as much hops in them anymore. And that's completely ignoring the fact that your palate might be uh, might have moved on, and we've discussed that in, in recent podcasts. Uh, look, at the end of the day, good luck to the boys, well done, um, hard work, well rewarded, uh, but you can't say that it's not going to change You know the perception. Look, again, probably the best example I can give is, you know, and it, it's, it's not going to happen today or tomorrow or next week or next month, but, you know, we were told on this podcast uh, once, you know, you, you, you pull the oar that moves the boat. 
um, you know, when it when it comes to promoting, you know, what you push, what you market, and the other thing is, you know, when you ask, um, you know, back in the day of James Squire, uh, you know, why their summer release came out at the end of February or the end of March, um, which seemed an odd uh, time for a summer release to come out. And the answer, you know, behind the scenes was, well, look, you know, we, we, we've got a pipeline and, you know, James Squire needs to fit in a schedule of releases um, that don't take away from the bigger brands. And Green Beacon is now in a very, very, very big pipeline that eventually, you know, when they, if they're going to release um, seasonals, at, you know, on, on, on any scale at all, um, or, you know, push beers on any scale at all, they're going to, they can't be taking away from, you know, Four Pines. Um, if Four Pines has got national plans, Green Beacon is going to have to sort of wait in wait in line. Or if the the, the plan is to push Green Beacon, Four Pines or Pirate Life are going to uh, you know have to wait in line. And that's just that, that's just a fact of the matter. And then even when you look at uh, you know sponsorship, and we're, we're going to come back to sponsorship in in, in a little bit. And I've not been to Adelaide for some time, but the only time I've tried the uh, port local lager from Pirate Life is in Western Australia, in Perth, and uh, earlier this week at Melbourne Airport in the Virgin Lounge. You're going, well, port local was meant to be the beer to celebrate our local place. Um, and suddenly someone in, in the business somewhere, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's exactly. not. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I didn't have it. I couldn't find it when I was in, oh, well, I didn't come across it when I was in uh, Adelaide earlier this year but i i have drunk it might have been last time i was either in sydney or melbourne but it certainly wasn't adelaide so you're right it's you know and and if it's on brand names are fun so it's on in the virgin (laughs) lounge it's on on virgin plains um does that replace the pale ale oh the the lager yeah so so the 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 local now instead of yeah yeah uh well actually i didn't have one i'm presuming but pirate life is certainly on virgin plains yeah that hasn't been I would be willing to bet um, that's it, not MC, you know, phoning up, you know, Virgin and sort of saying, "Hey, I've got this great beer. I reckon it might, you know, there there is a scale, there is a business arrangement, you know, there is a corporate head office that needs to approve those sorts of things um, that breweries now play into. And you know, these are the things that are just the the the, the truth of the matter. No matter what, you know, and. Let's face it. Um, when you're speaking to, you know, before the wedding, um, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I did ask this, you know, but I'm keen, to see, keen to see where this was going. I always put the toilet seat down before the wedding. <laughs> you know, I always, you know, make the bed in the morning before the wedding. Um, you know, you sort of hold out the best self before. You know, you get a little bit lazy once the, uh, you know, the magic wears off. Well, not what. Yeah, once it's a lot harder to get out of. Um, you know, when you're being courted, you put your best self forward. Um, who knows what happens, you know, five, six years down the track. You start hanging out with the boys again and those sorts of things. <laughs> well, look, it's funny. Look, it's all about opportunity. There are, you know, there are now, I guess, opportunities for more independent breweries in and around Brisbane to perhaps fill that uh, ideological gap in the marketplace that, um, that that Green Beacon will leave. Um, but it also gives a bit of an opportunity too because, if I'm not mistaken, do uh, Green Beacon on their cans have the independent seal? Well, see that would they they do, and but there was one beer that they did, and that you know when they didn't put the independent seal on one of their their, their brands that set the world. Somebody afire. noticed, yeah, yeah that set the world Ah, oh, two and two equals five. But when I last looked, it was so, uh, mate. Gee, they're going to have to run those 
um, cans out, I would have thought, Prof. Well, there's no other alternative, is there? Hey, wait a minute. Surely they could call Rellings on 1300 <laughs> uh, and get some sleeves made up that could cover over... Uh, that independent uh, seal. They could probably even do like a clear seal, a clear sleeve that just has a cross that could line up over the independent seal. So you wouldn't even need to get, you know, just one colour. It'd be just, you know, too easy. Just a, just a black, you know. Maybe... Hey, listen, don't forget. Uh, we're going to be at uh, BrewCon, which is our next story coming up that we're going to cover. Um, but uh, our listeners can come along and see Brad and Paul at BrewCon in Melbourne at Stand 10. They will have samples of the sleeved and labelled cans on display and would be happy to discuss any of your labelling and packaging needs. And uh, mate, I'm sure Green Beacon, um, well, Green Beacon won't be there now because they're not uh, an, an independent brewery. But uh, well, they, Brad they, actually paid a sales they, call on they them. They still are until, isn't there like a cooling off period or is there like, is it immediate? I, I, Surely well, I they wouldn't know. have given them a very large check because don't 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 the boys have to kind of hang around for a little while and, and and get drip fed? Isn't that what normally happens when the big guys buy the little guys? It's you guys stay around to make sure that you're not going somewhere else, but also so that you know the you're still seen as the figureheads of the of the business, and then you get you know uh, money paid at. at in, in increments? Well, I'm, I'm sure they can go, but I, I, I do wonder whether or not they sent tickets, any beers off uh, to, to be judged for the indies and whether we... You, you'll have to go check the um, well, report I'm back. Heading, I'm heading down on Tuesday next week to commence the um, the sorting of said beer. So I'll let you... I'll report back to our listeners to see if the uh, Green Beacon um, cans are still there. But I do mm. know that there was one uh, beer... That was meant to be exhibited at uh, Brucon. Um, that was showcasing a new hop variety that was made by Pirate Life, and uh, the, the ruling has been made that it won't now be shown. So, won't be yeah, it won't be available on the Trade Expo. Well, you can't be a little bit a little bit pregnant, can you? Well, it, it's one of those messaging things that you when the IBA is pushing the independent seal, um, you know, and. And the independent supporter logo as well. And the independent supporter logo. Um, and not putting any weight on whether that's a good or a bad thing. Um, you know, but if you are going to be out there pushing something, but at the same time you are, you know, letting it be poured at your event that supports independence or your, you know, one of the, the things I noticed 10 years ago when I was at the Great American Beer Festival and, you know, the Brewers Association were the people who really celebrated small, traditional, independent... The champions of independence. Yeah, yeah. and you've got 4,000 independent uh, breweries showcasing, or 2,000 independent breweries uh, showcasing back then. Um, and then you walk in, and the biggest stands at uh, the Great American Beer Festival were from Budweiser, as it was then, and also... Uh, Miller Coors. Miller Coors. Yeah. And, and I remember sort of you know, stopping and, and looking at that. So thinking, well, how does that work when on one hand you're saying that independence matters and that consumers should opt for other brands, but yet, you know, as a result of a commercial deal, and ultimately that's what it was, you were willing to take a, you know, truckload of cash to have them in your... Uh, festival. Festival yeah. that celebrates independence. There is a, a mismatch, and as a consumer, if I see you taking their money to run your festival, I'm going to go, well, you know, there's an opportunity cost 
to me in supporting independence. And that's the, you know, four or five dollars a six pack extra I have to spend. Um, or, you know, $20 a carton I have to spend more when I go to a, a big box place. I'm going to keep that and put that somewhere else and buy an equally good beer, but it's not independent because obviously, whilst you say one thing, you do another and so will I. And uh, yeah, so look, it's one of those little things. But if, if you are going to preach independence, I think you need to, uh, um, you know, uh, practice independence. Exactly. Um, and that and many more topics, I'm sure, will be discussed uh, at BrewCon 2019. The countdown is on, Matt, uh, only a couple of weeks away now, presented by the um, the IBA, the Independent Brewers Association. Uh, BrewCon, for those who don't know, offers Australian beer professionals the opportunity to further develop their brewing and their business education. Uh, you can hear from plenty of international and local, would we call them thought leaders, Matt? Opinion leaders, and, thought and, leaders, and then there's science brewing experts leaders, and that science. sort of thing. Industry suppliers um, at the Associated Trade Expo. You can also can can, can the um, anyone just pop in and uh, and perhaps wave a la you know Today Show or Sunrise outside <laughs> the um, the Bruce News window or well, is you it need a ladder for, for, for one thing. So so we are yes, Bruce News will be will have our studio um, in in the Bruce News green room. Um, so it, it, isn't, it's, it, isn't it the blue room? Well, it, it's. I think it's white. I'm colour blind. Sure it's, it's, it's certainly it's, not green. Well, it, if it's supported by Bintani, it's more likely to be blue than. It'll be the blue room. But yes, yeah, our bin, the Bintani blue room. It's overlooking the the, the main plenary floor, um, and we will be getting access to all of the keynote speakers and uh, presenting some you know, absolutely cracking, I'm sure, uh, conversations with people like uh, Stephen Beaumont and Pete Brown and uh, a lot of the brewers who are coming down. So uh, watch out for our coverage, uh, and, and that is uh, thanks to yeah. Antani. Um, a great opportunity for all of the brewers, and particular uh, congratulations to the, now is it three or five? I'm not sure. Uh, no, four women in beer that uh, have received uh, pink boots scholarships that that were applied for. Um, so they'll be coming along to BrewCon as well. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So um, it will be. But industry professionals, brewers, the whole gamut of people, and for those our prosumers, as you like to call them, at who are listening, uh, who perhaps not necessarily, um, you know, need to fork out. The big dollars to to come along uh, if if you if you're merely a consumer, uh, but you'll be able to listen to I guess all of the the key points. Thanks to um, to Bintani for supporting our uh, our Bruce News Live uh, studio. Exactly. Yes. So uh, stay for it, and uh, yeah, we'll certainly be looking out for you down on the trade floor. That's it. All sorts of things will be discussed. Um, possibly the um, how to name a beer. I don't know <laughs> if that's one of the topics. I'll have to. I haven't actually got my my program yet as uh, as co-host of the um, of, of Brewcon with um, my dear friend Kiralee Waldholm. We'll be um, looking after a room each again this year. Uh, but yeah, popped up in our feed, Matt. Um, is this beer name okay? Yeah, so a lot of people. So uh, now I've one not of the, met one of those flowchart things. Carla Jean Lauder. Um, now I'm Lauder Lauder. Um, it, it's printed, it's spelt the same it's, as Lauder Tun. So I'm producing. That's how I would pronounce it. Yeah. Um, who's the beer babe on Twitter? You know, in the wake of yet, yeah, well, I don't think it was even in the wake of Australia's um, scandal, but I, th- I think it came after the Bikini Atoll beer that uh, you know, Manhattan did, Project did erupt last week or went off or exploded. I think uh, you, you got some traction with that. All of, uh, look, I, I think all the puns had a had a fair run. It was certainly radioactive, Pete. It, uh, and, and, and <laughs> okay, don't. 
Don't poke it with a stick. With a significant half-life half life that's still uh, going. Um, <laughs> but anyway. We're going to get uh, the fallout from this. It's going to continue <laughs> for weeks. <sighs> um, but yes, so not, and not, to, not to make light of <laughs> the bikini adult, but yes, um, just no. the, the fact that there was another bad name. Um, and in the wake of that, uh, there was a, a, a very, very compl- If you thought that navigating the London Underground was complicated, or you know, programming a VCR is complicated, um, Carla Jean uh, came up with a flowchart for how to name a beer. And look, it, it certainly created a lot of traction online, and it very much highlights some of the considerations that brewers need to. Um, need to have front of mind when they do release a new beer. But I I think, um, you know, I have to agree with Jamie Cook who weighed into the comments comment saying, you know, is this just a really overcomplicated way to say use your common sense? Um, that That is incredible, but an awfully complex way to explain common sense. Yeah. Spot, but, spot on, Jamie. But unfortunately, as we know, there is nothing less common on many occasions than common no, that's sense, right. and and it depends uh, but, on your values, your background, and comes, your yeah, where it comes down to, I guess you know, uh, knowledge, background, history, all those sorts of things. Um, the the guys at Garage Project, when they initially did Death from Above, didn't go sit around over a beer and go, let's try and upset people as much as possible. It was, you know, elements of the beer that all came together. Did a little. Here's a pop culture reference um, that that would be fairly well known. And for for centuries, for for decades, you know, people have have I guess leveraged off, you know, pop pop culture, uh, whether it be movies, books, you know, the one liners, the famous lines from from films, uh, whatever it might be, TV shows, to. I guess associate themselves with you know the, the feeling that comes about with those, and, and perhaps they don't think them through to the uh, the logical conclusion. And 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 absolutely, and, and I mean those guys are still a textbook example of um, how to handle that sort of thing. They did it, you know, with with great respect. They you know they they changed the name. They explained it in in a way that didn't minimise the concerns that were raised. And a lot of breweries probably wouldn't have changed changed the name. Um, and, and that's where the, the values of, of a business come through. And, you know, yep. it, yeah, so, so go back and read their uh, original post. Um, and, and, and it was. And, uh, you know, I, I, the other thing, Prophet, is I think that actually changed um, or moved the dial a little bit in um, the industry's thinking about whether something is offensive or not. And as, as I know you say, you can't give offence, you can only take offence. Um, but you can be sensitive to the, the you know, sensitivities of others as, as, as you know... Oh, you men, can. Members no, of the community are passing through, uh, you know, society every day have to be mindful of, uh, well, you don't have to be, but just to in, in, in a functioning, polite society, um, be mindful of the, uh, you know, the, the, the needs of others, and it's just a courtesy. For sure. We just do need to be a little bit careful about forcing other people to be offended by things which we take offence on on behalf of other people who may not even be offended. And, uh, you know, let, again, let the market decide. If, if, if something's a, a dud name or, you know, you, the market will soon 
move away from that brand to something else and the the business goes oh okay actually that didn't go the way we planned let's think about it yeah. a little bit more and, the next time but that's speaking where the of miscommunication ang- man yeah well sorry i'll just say that's where I, I think the angry and violent response to some ill thought out names is sometimes equally as uh you know unpleasant and unhelpful and damaging in a lot of ways as some of the the, the names themselves so yes prof i, I think you it you, certainly you, is you're spot on but speaking of miscommunication, Matt, <laughs> there was a bit of miscommunication behind uh, Swan Valley Brewery's exclusion from uh, uh, what was it, uh, food and beverage festival? Yes, uh, our man in Perth, uh, Ross Lewis, um, posted a story. There was a major uh, Western Australian food festival that has expanded to the Swan Valley, um, home of a number of great breweries, including Mash and originally Feral. Now, there is a marketing company, I think it's IMG, yes, initially told brewers that approached them wanting to be involved that the commercial sponsorship with uh, Gage Roads uh, Brewing precluded anyone else from being involved. Quite predictably, this created an outroar, given that it was a, a government auspiced event, and the Swan Valley breweries have been struggling a little bit for lack of tourism and this was an they, event they that had, was nominally... They were the ones who had a crack recently, didn't they, with the uh, bus tourism? There was a government-funded bus. They put a bus on that was sort of canned not long after it, it started. I think the trial I, I was... I see what you did there, Pete. Did that can have a Rallings label on it? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> it was discontinued. Yes. There we go. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, apparently... The, the uh, economy is pretty tough over in uh, WA. The, the, the bus was defunded um, and the, the Swan Valley tourism sector is, you know, ad, ad, having having its issues as is much of uh, WA. Um, so this was seen as a great opportunity for Swan Valley breweries to promote themselves as part of a government auspiced festival and suddenly they were told. Um, now, we picked up the story because Ross uh, filed a story on it. It was picked up on radio that morning as well. And very, very quickly, um, I, I, I won't say it was a backflip because I don't know whether they're saying that it was a miscommunication about what the policy was. So whether it was a, hold on, we were wrong in saying that or hold on, we'd better change what we're saying because we don't want to be skewered. Um, but either way, yeah. um, breweries can now be um, involved. Fair to say the gauge wouldn't have been at the forefront of, we, you know, if we put money in, you won't have any other breweries. I'm sure that would not have been the case. Look, having it, dealt... It would have come from either a, a marketing or, you know, behind-the-scenes management. Somebody's I, just sort of, you know, misread something or miscommunicated. Yeah, look, I, I, having... But it's all sorted now, isn't it? And the, the MASH and, and any other breweries are, are, have got a tent now. Well, they've got the ability, so I presume um, Gage will be the, inverted commas, official beer of the, the, the festival, but yeah. other other breweries will be able to participate in, in a variety of ways. And yeah, so look, I, I can see how this would happen, having dealt with a lot of people who run sponsorship for a lot of big events. Um, you know, they are fiercely productive. You, you can't have these big events without sponsorship, whether it's the Night Noodle Markets, which has you know, Lion sponsorship, whether it's the Brisbane Festival that, you know, used to be um, Little Creatures and now is Furphy. Um, actually, that's that's a good example, Prof, going back to Green Beacon. Little Creatures, perfect brand to be supporting uh, something like the Brisbane Fest Festival that is our, you know, 
probably our dark mofo. So it's it's a really um, leading edge arts festival up in uh, Queensland in in Brisbane. Little Creatures was that edgy um, brand that had a lot of the values that would put it um, yep. in a mainstream and so, sense. And seen as creative and seen uh, creative know, and all of those things. People. Yep, yep. And then you know, but Little Creatures isn't the uh, ore that's pulling the domestic boat. Furphy is. So suddenly uh, a brand manager goes, "Look, pull back uh, on Little Creatures. We want Furphy in there." And suddenly Furphy, which you know, it is much more of a mainstream beer, but is seeing stellar volume increases. Is suddenly the face of the the, the Brisbane Festival, um, and you know, marketing and not necessarily managed, as good a fit. But as from 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 my from the artistic point of view, and, and yeah, exactly. But then mm. from the brand manager's point of view, um, but these um, uh, events need a huge cash injection. They are expensive to put on. You know, as we know, going back to the Echo. You know, just to be there costs a lot of money, um, and you know, you, you need corporate partners to uh, bankroll um, something like the Brisbane Festival or the the, the Western Australian Food Festival. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, temporary um, fencing, toilets, security, lighting, you know, marketing, advertising. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into the, the staff any, that you, know, you just never see. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah, and so marketing managers have a budget that they need to hit, and so they're going to be very, very pr- protective. And sometimes they'll be, you know, I, I would imagine that they would be making decisions without going back to the sponsor. So I'm sure Gage Rhodes wasn't involved in this, or I hope Gage Rhodes wasn't involved in this. But as we know, Gage Rhodes has very much a brand in hand strategy, and they've made no secret about that with the porridge rights at. The, the Optus Stadium, um, you know, they're wanting to get beer in people's hands um, and that's why they're, they're, they're sponsorship. And we are going to see more and more events uh, like this um, where just to, to take place, a small-ish brand is going to, uh, you know, be oh, there. Exactly. But I think we're, we're kind of missing the fact too that we should be celebrating that a major sponsor of a beer of a, a food and beverage festival is is a beer an independent beer label rather than you know a big you know conglomerate wine brand or a um, international you know multinational spirit or something like that brand so oh, and, and yeah my dad as we keep saying you know if the the, the big guys had jumped on the craft beer um, wave in a, in a bigger way 20 years ago. Um, and, and if they'd been willing to uh, put more resources behind James Squire and, and, and those brands 20 years ago um, before the market was ready for it, um, I think we would have forestalled a lot of the uh, explosion um, in craft breweries because it was very much a rebellion against macro boring beer. And if they'd exactly. been willing to sort of play in the margins a little bit more, it probably would have been. Didn't, didn't see a used to make a beer was it Matilda Bay, maybe? You just don't see oh, that anymore. Well, I'll, I'll have to put that name into um in, in into Google. Lament. It, it rings yeah. a bell. Um, but the kids the kids just won't know about it. <laughs> it's up to us to, you know, make sure that oral history is is passed on. Um something else that we can pass on, Matt, is um an uh an intonation. No, it's a or asking all of our uh, good listeners and well done too um, with all the, the different stories that have come through this week on the, um, again, the, the really intelligent and engaging uh, conversation that's been going back and forth um, 
uh, on the the Facebook page and the website and uh, and also just wrapping up our Ecker experience. Great to see so many uh, Brisbane beer barons identified themselves after we said, look, if you are around, come and let us know. Um, the old hazy IPA certainly garnered a little bit of interest, it's fair to say, <laughs> people coming in. You know, I saw her on Facebook, so I thought I'll come into the Ecker and, and grab a, a Bolter hazy IPA. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Uh, and, 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 how many, and how many discussions there were on uh, uh, about, uh, what was it, about uh, one particular hazy IPA that was garnering a lot of hype? And uh, then there was It was this... all I could do, Matt, not to just jump on and go, I like Pilsner. <laughs> I just wanted to put a comment in. Yeah. Don't forget Pilsner. <laughs> but it would have only got one or two comments in reply. Uh, hey, hey, actually, review on that us prof- on iTunes or uh, send us in an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week because we're about to jump into the mailbag, Matt. But before we do, what were you going to say? I was just going to say just another bit of uh, rounding out the, the, the circle. Uh, steal this beer. I'm catching up after the echo on a couple of uh, steal this beers. And there was an interesting discussion a couple of weeks ago about uh, you know, Berliner Weiss and Sours. And I've, they, they referenced a chat with a German brewer that I'll really need to go back and listen to because something that you and I actually talked about having poured a couple of Gozers and Berliner Weisses at the exhibition and... You know, I've never, I haven't been to Berlin um, to try authentic, um, you know, uh, no, same, same. styles. Um, I'm hoping to get there um, one day very soon. But the closest to the authentic experience, um, and it was the stomping grounds interpretation of a, of a goza that they poured with wood, wood uh, syrup. The bad seed, bad yep. seed, Berliner Weiss. And, you know, to, to me, like that tasted different to a lot of the inverted commas, Gozers and Berliner Weisses that I'm trying now, which are instead of uh, beer with added fruit, it's almost fruit with beer added, um, which is like a, a real skewing of the uh, a skewing of the category. And there was an interesting yeah. discussion with Augie um, talking about, you know, have they done to Berliner Weiss what the, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, U.S. craft brewers did to the IPA style, where they took it and by pushing the, you know, they turned they turned it up to eleven. Well, and and but in 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 doing so, completely changed what it is. Exactly, because it becomes a you and I discussed it, a, a cliche, a, a, like a a caricature of of the style, and it's almost like we've just thrown so much sour, or we've so, thrown so much passion fruit, or whatever it might be. This, just in case you don't get it. It's almost as if there's a palette out there that says, if I see passion fruit on the tin, I want to be on a almost like I'm ripping into a, a raw passion fruit. And and that's something I call it the cartoon effect. Um, you know, trade better trademark that Pete, Pete before yep, uh, the bintang the effect. effect. <laughs> um, the the, the car, you know the caricature effect where um, you know like if you're doing if you're a cartoonist who's doing a caricature of Tony Abbott, um, you know you you put him in budgie smugglers, you ears, make ears, his onions ears, and his, his brow, yep. yeah, and, yep. and and everything's so you recognise it, um, but then everything is sort of caricatured. Um, and, and we see that, like we, we saw that with the banana bombs in the early days of craft where brewers sort of knew that uh, Hefeweizen was meant to have um, clove and banana. And yeah, so, so let's, let's tweak the mash temperature up a little bit and uh, or the fermentation temperature up a little bit to get a little bit more of those elements out of the the aroma from the yeast. Yeah, and little creatures, you know, like the, the first time I tried little creatures, it was... 
look, I'm willing to bet that the intensity of the flavour was very little different to the, the beer now. Whatever changes have taken place as a result of 20 years of seasons rolling on, um, you know, the the, the 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 beer when you drink it is still as beautifully balanced as it was then. My palate's changed, but that inspired mm. so many people to think, oh, gee, I love these hops. I love hops so much I want to put more in. And then you get... Well, that was also the dry hopping. That was probably the first commercially available beer that promoted the fact that, you know, we've got this hop back, which is basically like a giant stainless steel tea bag that we run the beer through, you know, filled with hops. So, you, yeah, we, we, we started to, you know, what we now call DDH or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, that, was the, that was the forerunner. And exactly. And, and I think we've seen it, you know, so hops... Let, let, let's face it, um, you know, like a, a really subtly malt-driven beer... Um, wasn't going to revolutionise the world. You know, Pilsners, which you and I both love, Pilsners just keep dying. You know, Squires had a cracking Pilsner, won gold, but it just doesn't get it doesn't get the love of the everyday beer drinker because it's a little bit too challenging. It's not different enough from... It's kind of like a lager, but, yeah, it's got too much in it for me. I'm going to go back to lager, I, 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 which which is what Bolter, Bolter found with, uh, with their Pilsner, which has morphed into the... Uh, or been replaced by... Uh, happy the lager it's almost like that um there's a description in um computer animation called the uncanny valley which is the the feeling people experience when human rose you know humanoids any, anyway like it's just it, there, there's it, it's 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 a name that springs to mind whenever i sort of think about this that pilsners yeah. fall into that gap and yeah. they're not different enough or they're not exciting enough or they're not obvious enough that they drag people with passion into the craft beer world, um, you might get some people sort of coming up. Whereas Berliner Weisses and Gozes um, were very different. And because they have that little bit of passion for it, everyone starts dialing it up to 11 to, to the extent that what we're now seeing under those names are not the beers that uh, uh, you know, almost have no resemblance to, to the beers that they started out and really should start adapting another style. But as Augie said, you know, you almost need to put Berliner style or um, Goza style um, on it because that becomes the touch point just like, um, you know, you, you had um, an American IPA. Suddenly anything that was described as American was hop-driven or something that was IPA was hop-driven. And now we're starting to see Goza or Berliner Weiss just come to mean, look, it's kettle soured as its base, but... It's nothing like could, what you could would, be anything after yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, go so, back and listen to their podcast because you know they they took two minutes to do it. I took twenty. But I hope you all understood that. No, I'm not, not going to disagree <laughs> at all. Oscar Davidson in the uh, Facebook group uh, made an interesting uh, comment. I noticed early in the year Pirate Life's advertising in the UFC, uh, and this week they've uh, they have. And this week have seen that they are also sponsoring darts in Australia. It's an interesting move as they are two sports that I would generalise are more macro beer markets. That being said, I know they're not independent, but I see it as a positive for craft beer as potentially uh, it will attract people to try it and may open up taps at venues that televise the events to craft beer. On the flip side, there may be people in the, in the industry that do not want to be associated with these types of sports, that, as in darts and UFC. Yeah. It's an interesting take. And, and it was uh, Sarah Gall, I think, replied because I saw I, I reposted some pictures that she took during Good Beer Week uh, at Moondog's new brewery where they had uh, a proper wrestling match inside the brewery. 
uh, which was look, it was a nice fit. It was it was crazy enough, you know, that it's well, that's the kind of thing Moondog does. Uh, but again, it's about and and you and I saw it at the Echo with the uh, international pinball championships that had been brought uh, by the guys associated with Netherworld up your way. Mm-hmm. which is a really great craft beer bar that then also has, you know, like an old school, you know, pinball uh, video arcade game uh, component to it. We saw people that coming into the Ecker and, and seeking out our beer, uh, which they probably weren't supposed to. They were supposed to be probably drinking the sponsor's product, but... Uh, they could drink the sponsor's, the sponsor's product have, at our... Uh, we had. That's right. They didn't, they didn't have a product that those guys wanted. But it does show that, it, you know, sometimes we can attract different people to you know, independent beer or craft beer uh, by reaching out and, and, and sponsoring events that are special to them that may not be to, you know, a broader section of the community. And trust me, if uh, Pirate Life is sponsoring the UFC, there would have been some brand boffin looking at metrics and who likes the Pirate Life brand and how that correlates with UFC and who will we upset if we sponsor UFC versus who do we currently have as drinkers and you know maybe that's where you know Pirate Life is the edgy brand and we'll see it sort of getting involved in some of those um, sports and suddenly Green Beacon is going to be the uh, you know Gary good guy of the beer world and so it'll have a like a, a, a nicer face um, uh, or the Glenda good girl um, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the beer world um, and you know be the nice face of craft beer pirate life will be that edgy face and you know four pines will be the whatever it is and it's, it's giving them the flexibility and the agility that they that they never had when they just had the great big macro brands which mm. we've discussed on many an occasion uh, jocelyn erickson on the facebook group would you like to read that one matt a question that came to mind to this i'm shockingly late to the game listening to the back catalog so started here uh, welcome to the back catalogue. Welcome to the Ford catalogue, uh, Jocelyn. Uh, Jocelyn from Hop On Brewery Tours, if you are visiting the Gold Coast uh, or even Brisbane, uh, check them out. Um, what are the main prestigious beer awards? When walking down the aisle at Dan's, how does an average punter know which awards? There's that word again. Um, okay, I, I, punter. Yeah. Another battle I've lost. Another angel loses its wings. Uh, know which awards to pay attention to and which to ignore. As discussed regarding wine labels, when everyone has an award, it's like none of them do. Yes, uh, to paraphrase uh, the Incredibles, when everyone's incredible, none of us are. Um, so what do we give attention to? Gab's Hottest 100, AIBA's Indies Medals from Real Queensland Food and Wine Show or respective state international beer awards. So many, all important for the winter w- winners, but how many are important to the customers? Do you want well, we discovered firsthand uh, the RNA reinvigorated the Royal Queensland Beer Awards as part of the Royal Queensland Food and Wine Show uh, in uh, April this year. March? Yep. March. And uh, and well done to them for listening to the the beer community, engaging them, uh, setting up an advisory panel, all that sort of stuff. The end result was we had some uh, yeah, three hundred and fifty odd entries. We got trophies and gold medals and blah blah blahs. Uh, but this year at the Eka, they had created a little bit of a uh, an alleyway where they had branded beef and lamb award-winning wines, award-winning beers, award-winning uh, ice cream and sorbet. So people could come in and say, oh, okay. And, and look, we, we made up some little signs. We we activated the, the beer side for them. So we had four taps with 
uh, either medal-winning beers, trophy-winning beers. We were lucky enough to get the last two kegs of the grand champion beer. And the, and the number of people who came up, saw the little sign, you know, uh, $7 pots, uh, including grand champion beer, grand champion brewery, medal winners, blah, blah, blah. And people would just point and say, oh, can I have the grand champion beer, please? Well, okay, it's a 6.7% dark German lager. Yeah, that's fine. It's the, I want the grand champion beer. So clearly there was some kind of touch point there. There was a, there was significance in that. So I think to answer Jocelyn's questions, there's no there are no easy answers, but I think in your own backyard, your own backyard beers probably mean more than – if you were to then learn that uh, that beer also went on to win an Australian International Beer Award uh, medal or trophy, that might just sort of reinforce. But I don't think you'd necessarily – uh, look at say, a, would a Queenslander look at a uh, a gold medal for the Royal Sydney or the Royal Adelaide well, I think beer insider award? This is one of those things that um, look. The, the the basic answer to Jocelyn's question is any one award means very very little because a, a, a beer that does hasn't won an award, you know, it may be a cracking beer that was entered in the wrong style. It was a, you know a bad day or it hadn't travelled well to the competition. You know, all, all of those sorts of things. There are so many variables. In the aggregate, when you see a brewery like, for example, Green Beacon or a, a beer such as Fixation IPA, continuously and regularly win major awards across a, a, a variety of, um, you know, uh, platforms. platforms. Yeah, indies, indies, and AIPAs, for example. Yeah, in, in the aggregate, in, in the aggregate, that's going to tell you that there is, you know, a, a brewery that's consistently brewing high quality beers to style. Um, so, but to to go back, uh, Phil Cook, who I referenced earlier with the Potemkin Village, um, also once described beer as being fractally interesting, in that the digger you deep, the more <laughs> it, it can become. Um, can you re- say that again. Fractally interesting. No, no. The next bit. The digger you deep. The the the, the deeper you dig. Well. Ah, the deeper you dig. Uh, anyway, um, it, it becomes more and more interesting. And for for the average consumer that's walking down the aisle of Dan Murphy's, who has very low engagement in the beer market, one gold label or you know one even a bronze um, is oh I'll give that a try. You know, they'll know nothing. It could be the you know Dapto Royal Show. Um, who knows? Um, and that might be enough to, for them to get it. Um, it's a nice bit of marketing. Um, they know nothing about it, and it is held up as a sign of endorsement. The, the, the more you dig into it, when you start looking at something like the Gab's Hottest 100, that is, yes, people, it's a popularity vote, versus the AIBAs um, uh, or, or the Indies, which is professionally judged against a style. And if you've if you know that a beer is consistently winning high plaudits across both of those, then you're going to have a, a slightly different view. Um, but it's complicated. It is. Perhaps unnecessarily so. Uh, Chris well, Groves on the email. Hi, just wanted to this say that as a long-term drinker and shareholder of Gage Roads, I absolutely love the interview you did with the guys. Uh, it was so great to hear in detail more of their story, and as a small business owner myself, to hear where they started from was great. More, please, and if you get a chance to speak with them again, please ask for more varieties to be sent to the East Coast. I think Trust with me. the opening of the Sydney? brewery in Sydney, that will probably uh, come about. And, we and particularly do know. some of those more, you know, the, the, the seasonal releases or the uh, the one-offs and um, limited 
release stuff? Absolutely. So, so Sydney is not far away from getting final council approval, I understand, and they are looking for other other properties. Um, with, with the scale of the brewery that they've got in WA, um, you know, once there's demand, they do have a rep. Um, so they, they, well, in Victoria, I know that they say that the Atomic does very well. So I'm guessing you'll see a lot more Atomic um, in Melbourne, um, and we will see it on the East Coast, potentially you know, additional brew bars um, in on, on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, well, their activations, Matt, for uh, Gabs in Melbourne, and I think in Sydney as well, and possibly Beer Insider as well, was uh, was was definitely Atomic. Uh, so it was the, there was the Gage Roads branding, but the the Atomic was sort of front and centre. Mm. Actually, um, that, that's one question that I'll have to ask. Uh, I'll give Marty a call once we get off this call um, to find out whether Green Beacon is Green still Beacon welcome at can uh, still play. Beer Insider. Because yeah, they've had a big activation at Beer Insider the last couple of years and it might be their swan song or it might be uh, the, the end because you know that, that's one of the pillar points of, or pillars of the uh, Green Beak, of um, Beer Insider is independence. And they don't... It is. Um, which is a consistent approach they've had. So we'll see about that. And actually, that's looping back to the Green Beacon thing with Gage Roads announcing you know plans for a East Coast expansion. Brewdog. Um, actually, I haven't posted our photo yet, Pete. Of, uh, oh, come on. We went and visited the Scottish brewery in Brisbane. Well, drive past. We, well, they're still not dialing much in, Prof. Um, there's they, a lot yet to be dialed in. Yeah. It's like, fair to say. Such as the brewery. The brewery itself. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful um, building. A beautiful Just building. Just some stainless steel, I think, before they'll uh, be able to make too much beer. But yeah, I wonder whether some of those big expansions, you know, factored into uh, the, the Green Beacon mindset, you know, we are going to need to keep up with these larger breweries that are eyeing off our backyard. Do we try and finance it ourselves or do we look for a little bit of um, financial help? Yeah, is it easier now for, for Windjammer to, to go toe-to-toe with, uh, with Punk IPA, for example, uh, with Asahi's backing than it would have if it was just the you know the production brewery in Geebung and the little brew pub in Tenerife. Exactly. Yeah. So interesting to see. Interesting. Uh, so yeah. So we'll find out whether the involvement with uh, Green Beacon and uh, Beer Insider actually probably and, and just quickly while we while we uh, talk about that, I, I did drive you past the um, the the Scottish brewery's potential new site. Um, what were your thoughts about where it was located? Uh. I'm not sure what the area is called. I'm sure uh, the Ab- that's the one, which is an Aboriginal word for it's not Former the other side of the world, but you can <laughs> see it from there. It's a little bit out of the way, I've got to say. It's not until you get behind the brewery that you sort of the, the river comes into play. So I don't know whether you'll be able to look out over the river to the no, um, there's mangroves to the airport, which mangroves or whether that's where the brewery is. Yeah, mangroves it's, aren't it's, the most scenic outlook. Um, for, for, no. for a brewery, um, they smell, and there's that nothing you can a, do about it. You can't cut them down, and you can't air, air freshen them. No, no, mangroves, it's just, yeah. Uh, Maybe that's a little bit like the fire pit that they wanted to install, that, A, you don't need in Brisbane, and secondly, uh, local planning laws don't allow. Maybe uh, when, when the guys saw photos the smell of, of smoke and decided the, on the venue from afar, the smell. That they couldn't quite get the mango smell and th- sort of thought, oh, people <laughs> love looking at those. Uh, look, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very much an industrial estate. I don't know, like, I'll take your word for it. I couldn't see any residential or sort of opportunity for residential development. It was all very much sort of uh, corporate 
uh, home head office kind of thing, warehouse manufacturing, that kind of thing, like the you know the big wide roads for designed for trucks and. So logistics wise, I guess it's uh, I guess it's pretty good. Great. I did notice. Um, state. Now was that down the uh, at the bottom along the river there? Uh, was that a like a, a sea cat or a ferry cat? No, funnily enough, <laughs> no. it was a pontoon, so you could see, so you could walk out through the mangroves and see the river because you can't see the river from the other side of the mangroves. And it's also, uh, I, I think it's been out of commission. It was damaged in the 2011 floods and hasn't been fixed. So even though Brewdog James has announced that they've got a city cat terminal right on their doorstep, uh, you're a couple of years away from that happening. They might need a bigger pontoon as well. Yeah. Uh, Matt, question from uh, now. We got to bump into Luke Cooper. At my Cooperage on uh, Insta. At my Cooperage on Insta. And he, Luke is, Luke is one of our um, stewards. Uh, very valued stewards at the Queensland Beer Awards. And well done to the RNA. Every steward who came along and volunteered their time got sent in the mail a um, like an everyday pass uh, to the to Ecker. The so they got like a, you know, an, a, not an access all area, not a VIP thing, but, you know, like a um, to get entry to, to any day. Yeah, they got the lanyard with their photo on it, the whole, the whole Magilla. Which I thought was was really good and 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 worth commending the RNA, uh, Phil and Stephanie, um, on that initiative. Really, really well done. Uh, Luke popped by Craft Beer Alley, and after that, he uh, sent us in a "When will it stop?" brackets tax. Beer is a fantastic conversation. However, being the third heaviest taxed beer consuming country, I'm calling for a radical taxing reform. Other alcoholic products are taxed completely differently, and I believe this does not help the community in any way. Alcoholic unit pricing is one way of looking at this, but consumer price index uh, based beer, excise, wine, equalisation tax, container deposits, games, and GST on top of all these seems unsustainable. People who have travelled to the European USA will know how extremely expensive we are here, uh, and it's not the fine producers who are benefiting, it's the state and federal government's true i would love for an educated financial wizard to devise a realistic alcohol tax system and for the beer loving community uh, to push for its implementation what do bruce news team think of this subject on the larger scale i think uh luke the the thing that really pisses me off deluxe in this country is that uh about something like 80 to 9 uh, about 90 percent of the tax revenue comes from 10 percent of our taxes so there are 90% of our taxes are bringing in a very small amount of, of revenue. So there's there's an opportunity there to simplify the tax system. Uh, I don't think vis-a-vis the wet tax, I don't think they'll ever say, well, we'll give that to beer. I think that's more likely it'll be reduced further on wine because somebody's going to wake up one day and realise it's not 1970s anymore. We don't have a glut of Australian wine that we need to help promote uh, to overseas. And we don't want to encourage a wine industry. Actually, we have a wine that's industry. That's right. That's right. Let's just make it a little bit fairer for all. Uh, when we looked at uh, some of the kegs of beer that, that we were offered uh, at Craft Beer Alley, you go, hang on, just have a look at the price of this because the excise is, is just boom. It's only a couple of percent higher than the beer that was right next to it, but we had to charge a different price or – we would, you know, all lose money on that keg. It's just it, that that sort of thing is ridiculous, and and that is, oh, we don't want you know hobos drinking eight percent Belgian doubles. Well, no. How about then get rid of the the ease of purchase of you know four liter casks of goon. And and that's to to me like we need tax. We need schools, hospitals, social security, public transport, all of those. Sorts no of issue things. with tax whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Let's make it simple. The, the, the other thing is that we are also very high alcohol consuming country, despite the taxes. So, you know, I, I don't think we are going to see taxes reduced. Um, but they are levers that are very, very powerful in terms of skewing between categories. So, for example, um, the, the, the way that wine is taxed, is, um, I understand, is based on wholesale value, and it favours cheap wine over expensive wine. And, you know, if you're looking at the problems that's caused, it is tr- cheap wine. And when you can buy wine that you know, comes from grapes, as we all know, that goes through this very extensive process, that is cheaper than bottled water there there is a problem making it fairer um is is going to benefit individual businesses but we're just not going to see a reduction in in the current climate in the amount of tax we pay on beer the best or, or, or on alcohol the best we can do is make it less complicated and you know uh an equal playing field but there are a whole lot of policy concerns about that so yeah Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to happen. No, you're probably right. Now, if you're on the treadmill while you listen to this, you've had a very, very good workout today. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Quality conversation. That's it. And look, it would have been a 25-minute episode had it not been for the news dropping last night. And well done, Matt. Um, obviously, the advantage of being able to walk to Green Beacon from your joint um, to be able to... But but well done to uh, to Adrian for, for saying, yeah, look, come, more than happy to have a chat uh, once the embargo is lifted, yeah, come around and have a chat uh, and, and made his time uh, for us. Uh, Green Beacon, yeah, look, one of those guys that, you know, you, you see them at festivals and that sort of thing, and they're the ones who tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, listen, well done, love listening to Brews News, uh, terrific what you do for the industry. So, And I know that's that's all very genuine and that, that won't change. Uh, so well done to them. Thank you very much to all of our sponsors, to Cry Malt, to Rellings Labels and Stickers, to Beer Cartel and to Unleashed Software. We couldn't do it without them. And, you know, we do appreciate their support. Look them up if you need to. Unleashed Software. Thank you very much for, for them. And as always, thank you very much to all of you for engaging, for listening, for being intelligent and for being polite on the interwebs. It's always appreciated. Keep that kind of thing up. Matt, thanks very much. And um, on a personal note, Matt, thank you very much again for putting me up in uh, what is now become known as the uh, the Pilsner Suite at uh, Casa del Kierkegaard <laughs> yes. uh, up there in Brisbane for the last two weeks. It was a, a again, I can't understate, uh, I can't overstate the value that I feel um, just being in touch. It's kind of like you know the guy who works in the in the bottle shop in you know and gets lots of tradies coming through and sees the changing trends and sees how, you know, before you'd set up you know a taster had come in and you know a rep had come in and do a tasting or whatever couldn't give away crap here couldn't even you know I think there was only one guy who just the the free sample was there no I'm not going to try it I'm not going to try it but everyone else would you know would have a go so. Um, Thanks very much for giving me the opportunity again to uh, to come up and, and share good beer with the good people of Brisbane and South East Queensland. Um, and it, it really is – it gladdens my heart to see the change, um, the development of the palate, if you like, of, uh, of people who seven years ago when we started, you know, just didn't know what crap you it's, – uh, yeah, it's homebrew, is it? Do you guys make this? Or but not only that, Prof. It, it, and yeah, now it, people it, coming in this year and complaining that we only had two sours on. Yeah. <laughs> And mate, I, I couldn't do it without you. But you know, it, yeah, look, it, it it's not just the changing tastes. But in the first year, we had to beg and cajole and you know plead with brewers to get involved because they just didn't see the exhibition 
as a viable market to educate people. You know, it was yeah. all beer festivals and well, some of the, some of the breweries had been offered spots there through the RNA to promote the the beer awards and that sort of thing. And they, you know, it, it's it's eleven twelve days um, when you include bump in and bump out, where you've got to be there for ten to twelve hours a day, staffing, uh, you know, handing out free samples, the whole magilla. Um, you can understand why our alternative looked better, but yeah, it, it, it was still a hard sell. Um, yeah, exactly, Pete. And uh, anyway, but it, it, look, I wouldn't want to do it without you. Uh, I'll put it that way. So uh, you, yeah. So anyway, mate, love fest over. Thank you. It was lovely having you here. And uh, mate, next time I'll see you, we'll be in Melbourne. Yes, for Brucon. As I say, I'm heading out uh, with uh, with Jason Summers and the crew. We're going to go out and sort all the beers. Uh, I think there might still be some opportunities. If you get in touch with um, with Jason Summers through the IBA, uh, there is the, the, a couple of paid opportunities for people to come out and help us to – look, it's just process work. It's just sorting the beers into pale ales and IPAs and all that sort of thing and then uh, making sure the labels are all correct and that sort of thing and then putting them into, you know, table orders and tasting orders and that sort of thing. It's a bit of fun. You get to hang out with us. Uh, and there are still opportunities, I think, for people who might want to pop over and do a morning shift, an afternoon shift or a day helping us out um, uh, stewarding for for the indies. Um and I don't know, there might even be some possibilities for assistance at BrewCon. We'll see you all next week for the next episode of Good Brews Week. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.